Blog Talk Radio. Talk. I'm your host, Janice Tunnell, for today, Sunday, November 15th. We are happy that you guys are beginning to tune in tonight. We're excited about tonight's show. Um, just a quick reminder, if you have a comment or question, please give us a call at 914-803-4399. Again, that number is 914-803-4399. I'm going to turn it over to Denise so that she can greet you guys as well. Good evening, everyone, and once again, thank you guys for joining us tonight. We will be tweeting over on Twitter on our um, beauty underscore talk page, and we will be using the hashtag beauty talk and hashtag definition of beauty. Again, that's beauty talk and definition of beauty. All right. We are just going to jump right into the conversation tonight. No beauty news for tonight. Um, our guest tonight is actress and producer Miss Essence Atkins, and we're going to bring her on the line right now. Let's see. All right, I'm trying, y'all. I'm trying. There we go. Hi, Essence. Hi. How are How you? How are you? <laughs> it's so weird not being able to see you, so I don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> I, know, I can tell them apart. For the listeners, I can tell them apart in person, but I'm going to just go ahead and confess that over voice, I cannot tell them apart. So <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, you know, it's so funny when you said it. I think about, you know, when we were kids, of course, my mother could always tell us apart voice, looking at us, whatever. My father could always tell us apart by looking at us, but not by voice. Okay. Even as young so I, yes. Okay, so I, I feel better then. I feel like, yes. okay, your your dad and I, it would, even your dad couldn't necessarily tell you apart just listening to you. Okay, that's right. good. Exactly. So I thought I would let you know that. So don't feel bad. <laughs> All right. So first I wanted to, um, you've been on this show a long, 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 long time ago. And so I'm oh sure our listening on Yes. You were on your way to Vegas when you were on our show. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Yes, you were driving. Yeah, that to Vegas. was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially if I was going to Vegas to have fun. Because <laughs> right. I haven't done that in a really long time. <laughs> right. Um 
So our listening audience has changed a lot. So could you just reintroduce yourself to our listening audience and just tell everybody who you are? Sure. Um, Well, let's start with who I'm not. I am not related to Tierra Tamara Maori. So let's start there. (laughs) Hilarious. People get confused because I played their little brother's sister on a show called Smart Guy. So for all of you mm-hmm. Disney fans out there, I was the sister on Smart Guy. I played the character Yvette Henderson to Taj Maori. Um, and hence the confusion has haunted all of us ever since. But we are three different people from two different families. Um, <laughs> I am also, I'm also known for a lot of my television work. I've done um, numerous television series and some feature films. I was um, the vice president's daughter in um, How High. I played one of the sisters in um, Deliver Us from Eva. I played Marlon Wayne's love interest in Haunted House and Haunted House 2. Well, actually, in Haunted House 2, I was a ghost. But <laughs> I was in dead love interest. Um, and I've done a number of other um, feature films as well as television movies. Um, recently this year, I did a movie called Open um, on BET, which was about uh, a couple who were in an open relationship, had decided to be in an open marriage. And I was reunited with um, an actor who played my boyfriend, ironically, on another show yes. that I was on for many years <laughs> called Half and Half. Um, Keith We're Robinson, fine. who who played Neil, he played my husband uh, in the movie Open. Yeah, so I've done I've done a lot of stuff. half and half. I'm I'm yeah. currently on season four of half and half and enjoying every minute of it. I don't want it to end actually. Oh, thank you. We didn't want it to end either. Unbeknownst to us, yeah. the whole network <laughs> fell apart and went under. We're like, wait, we were a hit show. We don't have a network. Oh well. Um. So, but I've done a number of TV shows. Um. Most recently, I was on a show called Ambitions, which was on OWN that you can now watch on Stars. Basically, mm-hmm. I think right now I have four shows in syndication. So if you don't know who I am, right. you, know who I am you can Google me and see me at various decades of my life. <laughs> it's really a blessing that you've been doing this for various decades of your life. So yeah. that's great. And you still look the same. 100%. Thank you. Yeah, the only thing that's changed is my hair color, which that didn't happen until I was in my mid-40s. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I basically looked the same my whole life. Uh, and, and really, I don't know if it's just because I want to, like, be all philosophical and say, you know, it's just I'm rocking this classic look or whatever, but it's really just lazy. <laughs> I'm just lazy. <laughs> Stuck in my old ways, <laughs> and I feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, That's right. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So, what have you been up to since Ambitions? I think we wrapped Ambitions April 2019. Yes. Yeah. So since Ambitions, I've done, um, as I mentioned, I I went straight from Ambitions. I came home for like a month, and then I went and shot the movie Open last summer, which aired on BET this 
um, winter. And then I shot the second installment to a, a Christmas film that I had done for TV one called coins for Christmas. I did the sequel called coins for love with Stephen Bishop and um, really enjoyed working on that. Um, TC Carson was also on that. And um, really I was also reunited with Kendra Cross who played my husband on ambitions. Um, but mostly um, since the pandemic, like a lot of artists, we've kind of been quiet and home and waiting for things to gear up again and be safe. And just this fall that started happening. So I actually ended up directing my first um, TV movie just this October. So about a month ago, I was in Atlanta working on my first TV movie as a director, which was exhilarating and terrifying and fun and so many things, such, such a tremendous blessing. Um, it was an opportunity that came to me. Um, one of the production companies that I've worked for multiple times is a production company in Atlanta called Swirl Films. I've done a number of projects for them over a number of years. And um, they came to me and asked me how I would feel about directing a Christmas movie. And um, again, much like how my acting career started, it was both an exciting notion and, and kind of auspicious and daunting one. Um, but I'm so glad mm -hmm. I said yes. I'm so glad that after I interviewed for the job, they decided to take a chance. And the project will air December 6th. So baptism by fire. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was, it was a total, total blessing. And I loved every minute of it. I mean, I got to work with actors and with a crew, which I love to do. And I didn't have to go through hair and makeup for two hours. So, you know, nice. I ladies. <laughs> but you know what, Essence, I, I just feel like you were, you were born to do that because just like you just mentioned, you, you got to work with the crew, which you love. That, that's mm -hmm. one thing I've noticed about you over the years. You love the crew. And I mm -hmm. think when you have a director that loves the crew, I mean, it's going to be a great project. It's going to be a great oh, project. It's you. nothing like having a director who actually speaks to you. Um, it's nothing like having a director who's nice to you, a director who doesn't mm -hmm. yell and things like that. So I can imagine it was probably a lot of fun. Oh, it was a lot of fun. And, and I, I was very complimented throughout the experience by people saying things just like that, which, you know, mm -hmm. again, I'm, I'm complimented, but I'm also, I'm also sad that that is something that, is rare exactly. or not as common as it should be. I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, being a storyteller is such a collaborative experience and everyone contributes right. in such a valuable way. We all contribute to how, how that thing looks and how it feels. And um, I, I believe that not just in the storytelling avenue, but just in humanity that we all deserve to be seen and respected and, and spoken to well and and valued and so I definitely ran my set that way and um, it was noted for it um, which again I am complimented but I'm also dismayed that that's something that people don't experience as they should right yeah yeah now how was it for you now that was the first thing you had done since the shutdown right yes Yes, it was the first thing that I did during the shutdown. So, yeah, no pressure, 
only a hundred people kind of under, under my, under my uh, tutelage, you know, as a first time director and there's a global pandemic <laughs> happening and I'm trying to make sure that we get through this thing, make our day, stay on budget, stay on schedule and nobody gets sick, but you know, right. right. <laughs> uh, but you know, God's grace and mercy, like really was very about, it just was abounding because we did all of those things. We got finished on time we got finished um, on budget and no one got sick. So I'm really grateful for that. That was kind of paramount, you know, first and foremost in terms of like what I was, what I definitely wanted to make sure of as much as I could possibly control that we were all adhering to protocols and just being respectful of not just the vulnerabilities of us as a collective, but you know, the spillover beyond Mm -hmm. just us, right. The people who are on Mm -hmm. set, but whomever we come in contact with in terms of our parents or, you know, children or anyone that may be immunocompromised. So that really mattered to me. So let me ask you, did, Mm -hmm. did you have conversations with the crew about those things? Because that's one thing I've talked to my sister about that. I wish that, um, you know, directors on set or first ADs on set, like before they wrap on on a Friday or at the end of their week, you know, that they would have conversations with the crew and just say, hey, you know, whatever, thanks for a good week or, you know, like don't forget when you go home, you know, to make sure when you're going out in public, wear your mask, make sure, you know, whatever. Like, did you all um, we had a, we had we had we had conversations and and course of the day of course when we wrapped mm-hmm. a week I always spoke to everyone just thanking them mm-hmm. exactly as you said for a great week and just reminding people to be mindful and take care of themselves and be safe you know at the end of the day like we're grown ups and again, you have to think not just about yourself, but you also have to think about the collective. You get sick and you're working on a production, you ostensibly shut down paychecks for a hundred other people. I'm not trying to be the one who does that. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's too much. That's too much for me. I, I'm, I can be very Herculean in my life, but that's not a a burden I want to (laughs) carry if I can help it. Right. Right. Cause that, that's, that's, just real because if you shut down you you shut down that means nobody works nobody gets paid for those days right and people are counting on their checks you know and people are counting on their checks especially after being home and and self-quarantined and not working for many months you know a lot of people went into their savings a lot of people exhausted their savings a lot of people are in arrears living on credit cards like you know again as much as I have pandemic fatigue and I do I don't want to say I don't but I'm also mindful of the fact that you know as as a as a consciousness as a collective as a village um, I can't just worry about me Right. You know, that's just right. that's just not the heart position I ever want to take, whether it be about COVID or anything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think if, yeah. if we all took that position on COVID, I think we could get out of this thing, you know, if we're oh worried gosh, about yes. everybody else, you know, 100%, and just did the right 100%. thing. 100%. Yeah. So, so as hmm. let me ask you, we're, I know we're talking about COVID right now, but how are you feeling about all that has taken place um, in our country, in our world, since the beginning of the year? We have all of this social injustice, um, um, the elections and everything that led up to the elections. How are you feeling about it? And I know that you have a young son. 
What are you telling him about all this going on? Um, well, to answer the second question, what am I telling him? He has an awareness about certain things. He's eight years old. Um, and I'm grateful to be able to say that my son is very sheltered and very naive about a lot of the ills and the plights and the, and the hardships of this world. He's had a really wonderful mm-hmm. childhood and that's yeah. been intentional that his father and I have sheltered him. He does have an awareness mm-hmm. in this questions that he asked me. I'm very honest. He's caught me. Um, one day in particular, he caught me crying on the sofa and he wanted to know what I was crying about. And it was after, um, it was after the woman had called the gentleman Christopher in New York uh, and used her whiteness, her white privilege mm, to yeah. threaten him by calling the police officers. And I'm from New York. Um, and I was really, really devastated by that. And it, it's interesting because George Floyd, his murder had happened like a few days before. And I watched mm-hmm. the video and I was horrified, but it didn't move me to tears and I think it's because I don't know. There's been so much, um, so much police brutality that, and and yeah. I've known about it for many, many years, for a long time. That that wasn't as shocking to me as this mm-hmm. woman just using her whiteness to try to cause harm to this black man simply mm-hmm. because she didn't want to follow the rules. Um, right. And I was really just. I was having a meltdown about it. I was again, because I'm from New York, because I've always thought of myself growing up in New York city during the seventies and eighties and early nineties. I always thought of New York as the melting pot and really a place where the people of New York truly appreciate diversity and being multicultural. And it does feel very much like, you know, as close as to Kumbaya in the urban city as you can possibly get when it comes to living in harmony with each other and with respect. You know, people always say New Yorkers are rude, and I, I feel like New Yorkers are direct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never really Absolutely. felt like they were so rude, uh, you know, and, yeah. and it's like we respect the hustle of everyone and anyone. And so that to me was just I don't know, for whatever reason, it, it had a very emotional effect on me. And my son asked me what happened, and I explained to him what happened. And, you know, he goes, he said to me, oh, mama, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I said, well, what are you sorry about? He goes, I'm going to say it. I'm so sorry, mama, I'm going to say it. And I go, what? He goes, mama, that's just poop. And I was like, what? <laughs> he, goes, he, goes, he goes, mama, that's just poop. It's poop. He goes, it's just skin. And he starts rubbing his arm, and he's like, it's just the color of my skin. We're all the same. He goes, I'm brown, but underneath, we're all the same. And I just started crying because I was like, you're right, Papa. You're right. We are all the same underneath. It is just our skin color, and it's not fair, and it's not right. And you're right, it is poop. And so, you know, knowing that I have this, this son who has a heart and just loves people, and cares mm-hmm. about people and, and has always been an empath since he was a baby. I noticed it in him that he's had empathy and connected connectedness and connectivity to humanity, not just people who look like him. The idea that in four or five years, there are people who will see him and immediately be threatened by his pres his presence simply because of his skin color is right. so disheartening to me. It's so disheartening to me. And I, 
I refuse to capitulate. I refuse to collapse into hopelessness. I refuse. First of all, my faith doesn't allow me because I know at the end of the day, victory is God's and belongs to God and it's already ours. We're just catching up to it. So my faith doesn't allow me to collapse into being a victim. But at the same time, like I also understand that I am charged with a duty to do whatever I can to steer the boat in the right way. And some days, Steering the boat in the right way means I go to the grocery store and I see somebody and I say, excuse me, and they may not say, um, you're welcome or thank you or whatever, and I don't trip. That's between them and their maker. I don't let it change right. me or push me off my course. I know that that's right. my responsibility. And some days my responsibility means I went and voted and exercised my civic duty. And some days it means that there's somebody in need that I need to donate to, you know, anonymously if I can, because I don't need the thank you, because I don't want the thank you, because it's not about the applause. It's about just helping people. And some days it's just paying for someone's coffee in the car behind me. But whatever it is, I remember to go throughout my day and throughout the world with the responsibility task, knowing that I ultimately want to leave an imprint of love and of having made this world better everywhere I went. And if I'm not doing that, then I have failed. But that doesn't mean I'm a failure. It just means I need to try and kind of course correct the next day. So in terms of what I think about what's happening in the world, I think that I think that, you know, we've seen with with this with the results of the election and President elect Joe Biden and um, Madam Vice President Kamala Harris, I think we've seen what happens when we just decide that our voice does matter that we do get to exercise exercise our rights that one vote ends up being multiple votes when we all decide that we're not going to just collapse into apathy. Um, and I think that that's just, that's the danger of being so distracted. That's the danger of being lulled into kind of um, inactivity and feeling inaction and feeling helpless, right? Is that we start feeling like we don't matter and nothing we do has an effect, but that's just not true. That is great that is a straight lie from the enemy from the pit of hell to believe that nothing you do matters and makes no difference i i refuse to to even put that on so you know as much as i i do get disheartened i do get overwhelmed i do get sad sometimes i do feel anxious i just don't stay there right right i was going to ask um before you mentioned her name, but I was going to ask you, um, what are your thoughts or how great is it that Kamala is our first <laughs> black and female vice president? I mean, you can't get any better than that. I mean, you know, the glass ceiling, ladies, put your shoes on because uh, <laughs> there's glass everywhere. Um, you know, I just knowing that she is going, she's elected to one of the highest offices in the land, that she's been elected by, you know, over 6 million people in terms of the, the margin of difference between, you know, the old administration and the new. Um, I just, I'm really, again, that just fuels my hope. And I'm really excited um, because I, I think that women are fantastic leaders. Um, and there's so many examples around the world. I mean, the prime minister of New Zealand and how she has just done so well in managing COVID um, for the country and keeping her citizens safe. And there's so many examples, mm-hmm. Ava DuVernay as a director. I mean, there's just, there's so many examples of how women just can make 
incredible leaders. Um, you know, right. people used to, the, the old kind of, the old lie or the old saying used to be that women were too emotional. Um, but I think that uh, women lead with empathy and compassion, not all women. I know that that's a broad generalization, but, but I'm really excited about having that voice in Joe Biden's ear and them consulting one another as they move forward in pulling us out of some of the most difficult times that we've been through in recent history. Right. I'm I'm just excited. Um, I'm just excited about this new administration, and I'm excited about about what we, the people, have done, and all the the hard work. You know, getting out there, making sure mm-hmm. that our friends and family members registered to vote, and all the mm-hmm. work Stacey Abrams has done here in Georgia. Um, it's Which is phenomenal. To see. Yeah, it really is. Stacey Abrams is the MVP. She's LeBron James right now. Right. But it's exciting to see what what we can do when we just just come together and do the work and how we can make significant change. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we've, we've seen it. This is, you know, these... This is just a a macro of the micro of what it is when, like you said, we just get active, when we just make a conscious effort to be informed, to have conversations. And, you know, even with the civil unrest thing, you know, I've had so many of my of my white friends ask me, you know, what can they do? And, and, you know, I know that as black people and brown people, we've been like, oh, you know, figure it out, girl. Like, I'm tired of, of being your sounding board. But at the same time, like, I, again, I just feel like it's not my, it, God doesn't get, he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't get done with me when I make yet another mistake, you know, and if mm-hmm. I call myself a believer and if I'm modeling myself after Christ, then I can't decide that I've, I've given you enough grace because I don't That's ever right. get, a, I don't ever get enough grace from God. Like he never says, you know what, your grace quota is just done. So, you know, I feel like I also, again, have to extend grace. And if someone really and truly wants to have a substantive, a substantive conversation, then I should, if, if I have the bandwidth that day, or if not, then I can postpone it and do it when I do to try and have a meaningful conversation or at least point them in the right direction if they're in earnest trying to grow and trying to learn and really having their eyes open for the first time um, to, and feeling illuminated about something that I myself, I mean, you know, racism and police brutality, this is not anything new if you've grown up black and brown in this country. This is not something right. we are just becoming aware of. Right. And this no, is no, not. No. This year was not. This year was not an eye-opening moment for me. <laughs> no. Right. No. It wasn't. It really wasn't. So. Yeah. Absolutely. It really wasn't. But, I but wanna... I, I'll say. I just want to add one more thing to that. I think that one of the truly, truly great weapons of combat in terms of division is diversity. And I think right. that it's really important that we continue to mine friendships and mine environments 
and and relationships and conversations with people who are different than us. If we can continue yeah. to have conversations with people who are different than us with respect and with love and with empathy and really listening and trying to get to the bottom of what they're afraid of, of what matters to them, and find ways in common ground, then I think that that can bridge a lot of gaps you know, and that can heal a lot of wounds because at the end of the day, there's very few people who don't want to feed their family, who don't want to roof over their head, you know, who don't long for peace and, and feeling safe at night and wanting a good education for their children and wanting to be gainfully employed. I mean, that's a common ground that the majority of us have. So, um, I think that and want to, you know, feel seen and respected and necessary, all of those things. If we can remember that these are like tethers and fruits that we all have in common, then I think that we can continue to have conversations that can help us to have just more compassion and connection with our fellow man. And that's the beginning of, of just a better planet, period. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I was just going to ask you before you added that, I was just going to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about diversity. Um, we just did an eight-part series on diversity in entertainment um, and beauty in the beauty industry. And I just want to know, in, in your opinion, how far have we come in entertainment in terms of diversity? Do we still have more work to do? Do you think we're yes. making progress? <laughs> what do you think? Yes, <laughs> I, do, I do think we're making progress, but I still think that there is work to do because as long as the ultimate decision makers are kind of representative of one story, then they become the arbiters and the gatekeepers of what's valid and relevant for everyone else. And I think that, again, when you have decision makers, meaning studio executives and presidents that are also diverse, um, then I think that we'll have, and people who have the power to green light things and really are giving autonomy, like not just figuratively, like, oh, we have a black woman who's president of this network, but does she have any real power? Can she green light stories without having to go to a gatekeeper that is a white male? Um, Because those are the stories that, still are prolific and um, and those are the stories that are given more resource, they're given more time, they're given more um, respect and again broad generalizations, not always, not everywhere, not everyone but um, just, we are still we are still fighting and we're still asking, we're still being asked the questions, you know, does diversity matter and the fact that we have to ask that question to me is indicative of the fact that we haven't come far enough. Mhm. Absolutely, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I think it's. I still think, in regards to the beauty industry um, or the beauty side of entertainment, I really think we still have a long, um, long way to go um, in the film and television industry. I feel like, just from my experiences and what I've seen, I feel like, you know, your your black. Um, artists who who are in head positions, I feel like they always um, are thinking about diversity. Or if not thinking about it, it's just something automatic. Like they always add other people to their crew besides just black people. Um, mm-hmm. But I think when it flips, it's not always that way. And that's one right. of our, our, our battles, I feel like. We're always having to prove ourselves, always having to do 
extra to get the same to get to get the job that we're qualified for. You know, um, mm-hmm. our resume our resume doesn't speak for us. You know, our experience mm-hmm. doesn't speak for us. We always have to we always have to prove and fight. So I think right. um, as far as that's concerned, we still have so such a long way to go. A hundred percent. I agree. Oh, long, long, long. And that's so Have sad. Ever, it really is. Yeah, it really is. Um, I'm trying to think. I can see her face. Can't think of her name right now. Um, the actress comedian mm-hmm. who, um, I think it was sometime last year, um, uh, raised the issue about there being a lack of artists that could do black hair. Um, mm. Is it Nicole? Is it um, Yvette? Um, oh, I know. Uh, is, is that she, Nicole uh, Brown? Is that Nicole Brown? Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. Um, you know, she started that conversation about that. And um, what are your thoughts on that? Have you ever had any experiences on any productions where oh there wasn't God. anyone who could do almost it? almost all the time? I mean, it's. <laughs> Whenever I've gone to a show or worked on a show that was predominantly um, white, uh, yeah, it was usually an issue. Not so much for me with makeup, but definitely with hair. Um, Someone understanding my natural texture um, and not feeling like, and you can tell right away. You can tell by how someone touches your hair, by how they comb it, if they have any experience with your hair type. And so, you know, again, like you said, just having qualified people who can, who are diverse in terms of who they can um, do in terms of your cast, uh, that's not necessarily always the priority when it comes to productions that feature predominantly white actors. Um, whereas, like you said, when it comes to uh, black makeup artists and hairstylists, they are trained to be able to do everyone. That's just, it's yep. just something that has to happen. It's part of the grandfathered, to be grandfathered into their position. There's no way that they cannot know how to work with all types of hair and all types of skin. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's an issue for me, but that's another conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. That's a big issue. But we, I mean, we do. I think. I think it's an issue because we deal with it so often. Like it, it's just, it's always been an issue from the very beginning of our careers. I think, and it it just continues. Like it's yeah. nothing's ever done. You know what I mean? And but it's again, like, the gate uh, the gatekeepers, from what I understand. I mean, I've never tried to get into the hair and makeup union, but what I understand is that I know people who literally have years of experience working on sets and are still waiting to get into the hair and makeup union. And I'm like, how is this possible? Well, well you know, or, going um, through it. on the West Coast, it's a little confused. trickier. It's a, it's a little trickier on the West Coast too, um, because um, they have contract services and that's what they go through. Um, when it comes to getting their days and all that, that's reported to contract services and then contract the services decides if they want to um, give that information to the union or not. Here on the East Coast, in our, in our hair and makeup union, um, it's a little different. It's, run, it's actually run by the members. And so it, it can be a little easier 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I, I hear sometimes people have been, you know, trying to get in for a long time, but sometimes, you know, of course, it depends on when you've started trying to get in because, of course, years ago there wasn't as much work as there is now. If you're trying right. to get into the union now, you've got plenty of opportunities to do so, and you can get in um, a little quicker. Whereas, right. and plus, here in Georgia, it's a right-to-work state, and so there's right. just more opportunities. In L.A., it's a, uh, California's a union state, so right. that's one issue right there. It's just, you know, being able right. to get – to get those non-union projects to, to even qualify. But I think, right. because, and I've been learning more and more about it here recently, but again, that the whole contract services piece is what holds a lot of people up. Now, whether or Fact. not what they're doing on, on the contract services side is fair or not, I don't know. I just know that that's right. like one layer for you actually get to uh, local 706. Right. Got it. And so it, it's a little trickier. Now, like I said, I don't know, you know, what they're doing and why they're not. If the person has the experience, you know, in the day, right. I'm not right. sure why they're not getting the opportunity. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the inner workings of, of why. I just know that there is often not a qualified person um, on shows that don't necessarily have a strong uh, African-American or brown person, people of color presence, there's often, yeah. uh, you know, there's often a deficiency in terms of people who can attend to us. Yeah. And, and, and still, and, and, and I think again, that the issue with that is the, the makeup artists or the hairstylists aren't getting the education that they need. And I put that right. on them. I put that on them. Right. Because right. if there's something that you don't know how to do, then learn, learn. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, the onus upon is always upon us to continue to grow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But again, when you don't, you know, when you don't have have the color range in your kit to even do a person of color, then you know that's right. an issue too. But again, yep. that's on you too. So. Mm. Another conversation for another day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, wow. We could talk all night about that one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, Essence, mm-hmm. tell us. Yes. What is your definition of beauty? I wish I could, I wish I could have remembered your definition from, uh, from years ago. But what oh is my your gosh. current definition of beauty? <sighs> beauty, you know, beauty, we, we think about beauty and, and we focus on on the exterior, right? Most of us, when we think of something that's beautiful, we think of, of an exterior. But I'm as I've gotten older, I start to really think that things that are beautiful – are more it's more about how they make me feel because there are lots of people who have all the all the stuff in the right places and they're not beautiful you know Mm. like there's something about them that you walk away and you feel less than or you feel dismissed or you feel reduced or you don't feel seen and and I don't think any of that is beautiful um, to me, beauty is, is inclusive. Beauty is peace. Beauty is love. Beauty is, 
is patience and beauty is is a smile, a genuine smile. Like beauty for me at this point is not about an exterior aesthetic. It's about an interior feeling. Mhm. Absolutely. Has it ever been a time when um, you didn't feel beautiful? Um, oh my gosh! Last night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, last night I was having such a pity party. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm gonna tell y'all the truth. I was like feeling so like wah wah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely moments where I, here's the thing, based on what I described, there's definitely, I, I don't feel that very often, like most of the time, because I take, um, I, I, I value my heart posture so much, and I work so diligently on it, that most of the time, I, it's not that I don't feel like I'm a beautiful person, but in terms of like, do I feel like I'm being perceived as beautiful, by others sometimes I don't sometimes I think it's like it depends on what area of my life we're talking about right so Mm -hmm. if we're talking about when I'm around like when I was at work and I was directing I felt so beautiful you know and I was going to work in like sweats and a baseball hat and no makeup and sneakers but I felt beautiful I felt strong and and focused and smart and and collaborative and curious and, and excited, like those things, all of that just made me feel beautiful. Um, but, you know, as the holidays are approaching and I don't have a significant other and I haven't in years, that makes me feel unbeautiful, <laughs> if that's a word. Um, you know, it just I don't feel very beautiful. I, I just don't feel seen or appreciated. So I feel kind of cast off and, and ugly duckling-ish, you know what I mean? Even though I know that it's not because I'm not a beautiful person or because I don't have a, a pleasant appearance. It's just that I don't feel seen. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's the, but that's the truth. And, and I, and I was like, I I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to, I don't want to fake it and tell you guys, give you guys some, excuse my friends, some bullshit answer. Like that's the truth. Last night I didn't feel beautiful. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel valued, but it's because I'm lonely, you know? So I had to, I had to figure that out. Gotcha. It doesn't, you, it doesn't mean I'm not beautiful. It just means I'm lonely. Right. <laughs> right. That's, 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 I mean, that's a real, that's real. Yeah. That's real. How do you, how do you, how do you think you can, can move away from that um, and get to a point well, where. I think I have to first do what I did, which is identify what the truth is, right? The truth isn't that mm-hmm. I'm not beautiful. The truth is that I'm lonely. But then I have to really get present. And when I say present, it's like I have to dig deeper into my gratitude. Like, am I might be longing for a romantic companionship, but do I not have amazing friends? I do. Do I not have 
so many blessings I do. Do I not have a son who loves and adores me and came in my bed at 620 this morning and said, good morning, mama, and gave me a kiss on the forehead. Like, I have so many things that say I'm loved and I'm beautiful and my life is is great and such a blessing. Like, I had to just kind of recalibrate myself to be more grateful for what is here and now and also like again Mm -hmm. activate my faith activate my faith in terms of what I believe is coming right I believe that the love that the romantic love that it is that I'm I'm wanting is going to come when it's right and I have to trust God and again live in not live in anticipation of tomorrow but live in gratitude for today nice Nice, nice, nice. Wow, I mean, I actually, um, I actually didn't expect you to say all of that, honestly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You guys know, you know, I'm just, I'm so, I have, sometimes I have emotional diarrhea. Like, it just, you ask me a question, you're like, ah, oh, wow, I didn't didn't know you were going to say all that. But I don't feel like I'm empowering anybody by keeping it pretty and bow tied and, you know, put in a nice package. Like, I think, I think it's important to talk about, I mean, I can tell you about the triumphant things. I think it's important to talk about the, the, the darker moments because then, you know, someone else is encouraged and they know, oh, her life is not all like rosebuds and and unicorns. And, you know, she does have moments where she, feels x y and z so i'm not alone in in also experiencing kind of a a mercurial day you know what i mean i have a mercurial day so i i experience highs and then i have moments where i'm like man i wish blah 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 and then i have to like recognize what is it that i'm really seeking and how can i how can i rectify and and remedy the feeling now how can i change how can I decide that that's not going to be the position and ruin what is right now ruin all the good things that is right now it's because I'm so focused on you know this myopic thing that I that I'm missing because to me that's really coveting right that's and that's a sin like to to covet as opposed to like I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? And and I I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty, right? So if I can again get myself to a place of not worrying about what isn't there and just appreciate what is, then I can really adjust my day and I can have so much more joy, which I know is is my inheritance, right? I'm supposed to have joy. That's one of the fruits of the spirit. So if I can just kind of readjust myself to remember, remember who God is and remember how blessed I am, then it's like I can get out of that mood and get out of that the pull of that darkness because that's part mm-hmm. of that's part of the job of 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 moving away from the light. That's part of the job of the enemy is to rob you of your joy. Absolutely. You know, that's the, I think that's the beauty of your, your response is is the fact that it was just so honest, you know, even though we weren't expecting you to say that, but it was still, it was, it was so honest. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who can relate and who are going through the same exact thing. So it was good that you did share. Actually, um, mm-hmm. I was getting a message in that 
said that you are helping so many listeners tonight and that your realness is appreciated. Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm just, you know, I want to be of service, you know, so, and and I think that part of being of service is, is pulling back the facade and having conversations that are vulnerable so that we can all not feel so isolated and alone. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. How do you, how do you talk, what would you say to um, young girls, you know, a lot of young girls that look into Instagram and to um, (laughs) a lot of, you already know, um, a lot of, you know, what they see on, on TV, on some of the uh, reality shows and things like that. But what do you, what do you say to young girls about this actual topic that we're talking about, about, um, you know, how they define beauty and, and it's not being an external type thing um, because right. a lot of them it is. What do you say to them? I mean, I think we have to continue to do the work to dispel the myths. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like looking being a grown up and expecting Santa to show up on your doorstep on December 25th. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a myth. That's not real. That's not, that's not true. You know, it's, it's a nice story that we tell children, but you know, I'm putting away childish things. And I understand that when I'm looking at a TV show, even a quote unquote reality TV show, there are 25 people in the room watching what's happening. Mm -hmm. That alone makes it not, reality what happens behind closed doors you know it changes the dynamic automatically to have cameras in a room um and to have hair and makeup artists and a producer and you know three cameras and oh that was great that was a great response but we didn't quite get it can you move that hair out of your eye and can you do that again and this time can you sound a little angrier I mean that's happening even in in quote-unquote reality shows it is produced So I think Mm -hmm. to hold your real life to a standard of something that literally a team of people is portraying an image or to hold your body to, you know, the standards of a filter that literally takes all the edges and, you know, reduces the pixelation to, you know, so that everything doesn't look like real anymore. It doesn't look like a human being anymore. You know, you are putting yourself in the danger again of living in a myth of living in something that, and, and being gravely and grossly disappointed uh, you're setting yourself up for just a horrific, horrific fall. Um, so, you know, I think that it's really important more than anything, like put your phones down. Um, and I know that's not a popular thing to say, and I'm guilty myself of having too much connectivity, but put your phones down and talk to real people, look at real people, um, you know, exchange with real people um, and, and, reassess like what it is that you're taking in as true. You know, right. I somebody somebody was talking to me and they were talking about, oh, it's like this out there and it was like that out there. And I'm like, I just don't oh, it was my son. I said, I don't experience that, Varl. I just don't. I don't walk around in anticipation that I'm gonna have a terrible combative day. Now if I do, I'm prepared 
to deal with it, but I'm not anticipating that. I'm not walking around my life rehearsing tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not walking around my life trying to attain perfection when it doesn't exist. Not on this plane, not on this planet, not in this existence. It doesn't. So I'm still, the parameter for, for me is, is me. Me and God, that's my barometer <laughs> for for what for what what my what I'm aiming for. What is the the red the bullseye mark for me? It's not nobody else is is the arbiter of that. No one else gets to tell me what that is. I that's between again that's between me and God. I have to know that it's my goal to be my best self, whatever that is, you know. But it's my goal to be my best self in a well-rounded way, not just in the terms of how I present myself to the world, but also what's going on in my heart as also what's going on in my mind. Am I healthy in my mind? Am I healthy in my body? Am I healthy in my heart? Am I walking around with unforgiveness? Am I walking around with hatred? Am I walking around with animosity? Am I walking around with hostility? Am I walking around with mistrusting? Like those are things that are just as important as whether or not, you know, you have on a cute outfit and probably more important. In fact, they definitely have a, a, a more substantive um, footprint in the, in the world. Well, I think you just shut that down. Um, I don't think there's anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you saw oh, it rather nicely. Oh. <laughs> you know, and also just, I mean, I want to say to women, and and also to young young men as well, but especially to women, like it's so important that you find a community of people who really truly celebrate you, who who really want for you to win and aren't threatened when you do, because it's just it it provides more of encouragement for them than it does for them to feel dismayed. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my gosh, you know, my sister, she just had this awesome thing happen. I'm so happy for her. I know what she's been through. I know some of the battles that she's overcome, but really cultivate a community of people who, as as those memes would say or those Internet sayings would say, who speak well of you when you're not in the room. You know what I mean? Who mm-hmm. who continue to bring your, your name up in a way that's positive, that, that um, offers opportunity and chances for you to succeed and thrive when you're not in the room. I think that's really important to find a sisterhood, to create a community of friendships and 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 community, like I said, that, that is rooting for you and that you can be real mm-hmm. with, that you can, that you can go to when you fall down and when you fail, because we're, we're fallible. So, I mean, you know, fallible means prone to error. It's not sometimes it means that's what we are. <laughs> we are prone to error and you need people <laughs> who are going to extend grace and mercy and understand like, Oh my gosh, girl, I get it. I struggle with that too. How can I help you get back on track? Or can I just hug you? Or do you need me to pray for you? Or, you know, what can I do? Or I can just sit here and listen and let you have a full meltdown and then, you know, wipe your nose, go get you some tissues when you're done. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's. I think that is really. Um, I mean, for me, it, at the hardest points, the hardest points in my life, 
I can absolutely say that friendships, those kinds of friendships have saved me. They have really been um, invaluable to me. Yeah, I think we had a guest a couple weeks ago, Sonia Jackson-Miles, who spoke about having those sister circles, you know, those yeah. women who are definitely rooting for you and, you know, who who's definitely there for you and and support you. Um, but I, I totally agree. You definitely, uh, we definitely need that, those types of relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. You definitely need those types of relationships. What's next for you, Essence? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I, I, uh, I have, I'm definitely going to do a third installment to Coins for Christmas. We're going to do another one in, I believe, um, early next year. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to direct again. I don't know what. Um, I have a really great, opportunity as an actress audition or screen test this week. So I don't know, you know, I'm just trusting God that more is coming. And that, and in the meantime, I just continue to do what it is I'm called to do day by day. You know, I have a little school in my backyard um, for my son. Uh, My son's school closed because not because of COVID, but it closed permanently. And so my son had been going to his, his private school since he was two and a half. And when that happened, when that happened, um, I just was very overwhelmed thinking about after him being home for five months, sending him to a new environment that I couldn't even walk him into potentially um, with everyone wearing masks away from his friends and the surroundings that he was used to. Um, And so in the process of kind of processing the news about the school closing permanently, the Holy Spirit was like, uh, empty your guest house. So I called my son's best friend's mom. And a few hours later, I had two other families and her in my living room and we started a little school. So I emptied my guest house and now I have, um, nine children that, uh, attend school in my little guest house since August. So that's something that I, I really love and I've poured myself into and I greet the students every morning and take their temperature and hand sanitize. And then at the end of the day, when they go home, I go clean the toilets and wipe everything down and use an ultraviolet light on their desks and their chairs and clean everything Mm -hmm. and sterilize it. And, you know, trying to keep them safe and, and we have our little our little um, pod, as they call them, our little our little pod for the students. And they have a teacher that we hired, one of the teachers who found themselves without a job as of July unexpectedly. We hired one of the teachers, and she's teaching mm-hmm. third grade. So I oh, throw yeah. myself awesome. into the things that are in front of me. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. when something else requires my attention, then I throw myself into that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I literally, if you, you know, as far as like, what was I doing right before I got on this call? I was in the guest house with yellow gloves on scrubbing toilets <laughs> or scrubbing the toilet in the guest house and cleaning the sink and wiping the desk down and, you know, listening to some music and singing and dancing and enjoying being in that moment 
um, today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I try not to thrust myself into the future. I I am a pretty organized person and pretty prepared in terms of like contingency plans, but I try not to live, mm-hmm. like I said, in rehearsing tragedy. I try to be present. So that's what I was doing today and tomorrow at 845 I'll be out there with my thermometer and my hand sanitizer and my slippers and saying good morning to the kids. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing until God says it's time to shift. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. And how do, how does the kids like their new school? Oh my gosh, they love it. That's the best compliment ever is that they love it. They sh- they should come early cuz they just want to be at school. Like it's really pretty pretty amazing. One of the dads told me on Friday, um, one of the dads said that um, their daughter, she she could have left early, and she's like, I, because her, her dad comes. Oh, that's the other thing. We as a village, as a collective, so the teacher has an hour lunch break, and so one of the parents of one of the students um, volunteers every day for an hour to watch the kids during lunch. So oh, he came at lunchtime. Yeah. So we all have committed to like rotation, whoever can, right. Obviously some people work a regular job and they can't volunteer, but between the families that have committed to the school, one of our, one of the parents is here every day um, at lunchtime. And so the dad was here on Friday and he was like telling the daughter, like, you want to leave early. We can leave as soon as I'm done at recess. And she's like, no, daddy, I want you to come back and get me. I don't want to skip out on two hours of school. And that is like (laughs) the biggest compliment ever that she wanted to stay and finish the day. And she wanted him to come back at three and get her. Um, So yeah, they love it. And um, I feel very blessed that, you know, the blood has covered us and everyone is safe and healthy and, and, um, and the teacher loves it. She loves it because she, she gets to create a curriculum and, and mm-hmm. be a little bit more um, untraditional and, um, and we can, yeah, we can kind of contribute as, as a community. I mean, that's, it's, it, I, I did name it. It is not my school, but I did name it and it's called the Risen Village as after, after the, the Risen Son, the Risen Christ. So that's, that's, wow. that's my little place back here. <laughs> nice. I love it. That's very, very, very nice. Very nice. And here we go again. I just feel like I wasn't expecting it. Well, if you're, <laughs> right. a, if you're if you're not in a great place, and I, I've said this to often, especially in this time, if you're not in a great place, or if you're feeling like deficiency or a deficit, or just kind of sad or whatever. I think one of the best cures is to find a way to be of service, to help someone. I mean, doing this as much as this, this has blessed me in such an incredible way. I mean, to see the smiles of those kids every day when they come up and say, good morning, Miss Essence. And I'm like, good morning. And I'm like, 97.3. Awesome. Have a great day. Like it's, it's hard to have a crappy week when that's the start of your day. You know, it really is. Wow. Here, here I thought you. Here I thought you were going to say, "Oh, I'm working on this project. I'm working on that project." No, you started a school. Yeah. 
and one of our one of our one of our dads is a former um, naval officer, so he comes and teaches PE twice a week. Like it's just so oh dope. wow. <laughs> He has them doing burpees. It's hilarious. It makes oh me laugh so hard. You know, he's like, that's a terrible setup. It's so funny because he can't turn off the military in him at all. And it makes me laugh to watch these eight and nine-year-olds struggling to do burpees. I'm like, I'm like you're crazy, oh. Josh. He's like, no, but they're getting better. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and they love well, it. Awesome, they love it. But like you can, you can feel the joy. That's I I can hear you guys laughing, and that's like you're feeling my joy. It's it's giving me. You want to talk about like giving you purpose in in a global pandemic with civil unrest happening and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It's such an infusion of my of joy for me. And mm-hmm. you know everyone's like, "Oh, that's such a great thing that you did." I'm like, "You have no idea how I've been blessed in opening right. up, you know, in opening up my right. home. It's blessed me so much." Yeah, nice, nice. And then you can feel comfortable that the the kids are safe. You know, all the kids mm-hmm. that they are that are around each other are safe, and then they have some interaction with people their yeah. own age. You know what I mean? And, yep. and it's kind of yep. outside of the house for them. You know. Yeah, for sure. And the parents can access them. That's the other thing, you know, one of the things that when we were meeting about it initially, I said, you know, this is, I'm thankful to be blessed where the parents can just come. They can just enter the gate code and they can come. So they can have access to their kids too. Cause a lot of people, you know, if they do have to send their children somewhere, they don't have any access to them because everyone is social distancing and keeping, you know what I mean? And I just mm-hmm. love that these parents get to feel like, Oh, I can come and, and check on my kid or I can come and grab my kid and bring them to their dentist appointment. And I don't have to go through all these different protocols because we're in this little pod and we've made disagreements and, you know, we're keeping each other safe. And it's, it's what we were talking about earlier in terms of the production mindset during COVID, right? It's like, we all make an agreement that like, we are going to be, we are going to take care of each other and we're going to be mindful because like my mom has cancer and another woman, her mom has been battling cancer. So it's like, we can't afford to be willy nilly with our health because we're responsible and in direct contact with people who are more vulnerable. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's an incentive for all of us to just, again, take care of each other. And this is, you know, this is our little, our little village. And if everyone could just find pockets where you just take care of each other it's like it's wildfire I think that thing just makes a huge difference especially right now especially right right now yeah absolutely this has been this has been really great um I appreciate you um taking a break well I love you ladies you guys are being all formal. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's been fabulous. You're wonderful, darling. Don't ever change. <laughs> I'm like, I love you, Denise. And, and Denise, I miss you guys so much. Um, oh, for those yeah, of you who are you. listening, I know you're listening to them for for what they're doing, but just know that they are craftsmen, like truly really great at what it is they do. Um 
you know, in this industry, and they're just wonderful women. So if you have a chance to work with them, hire them, talk to them, learn from them, do so. Oh, thank you so much for that. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. That's so gentle, formal. <laughs> I'm, yeah, y'all were. It was like I was like, who am I talking to right now? We are. Thank you so much. <laughs> what do we do? Yeah, see? I know. No, I I didn't mean to like dismiss what you said. I know that it's true, but I I just you know, I it's it's beyond it's beyond just the professional cordial acquaintances, you know, like I I love you guys. I've known you for years and there is a consistency in who you are and the way that you conduct yourself and and your approach to to things and and how you conduct your business and just how you move around the earth. And so I just wanted your listeners to know that I'm I'm here not in not for any reason. I don't feel obliged. This is not an obligatory call. This is a call to be in support of what you guys are doing and who you are. And um, again, a proponent of the sisterhood that I've been espousing this whole time. This is, this is one of those connections that um, edifies me and strengthens me and has sharpened me. These women have prayed for me. They have hugged me when I've had hard days um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for them. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, and thank you. I know. I know. That was really nice. Um, Wow, you left me kind of speechless. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's been been wonderful. Um, This has been a great conversation. And I'm really glad that we were able to get you on um, for this particular conversation. I appreciate it. Oh, wait, wait. Before you go, we have a yeah. caller here. Looks like. Let me see if I can get him on real quick. Let's see. Okay. Hello? Good evening. Hello? Good, good evening. Good evening. I just, I just want to say, man, it's just really refreshing to hear women working together. Because we normally just get it. So, see y'all making a move. I am What's your having name? a really hard time understanding. Yeah. I'm sorry. We can't. We can't hardly hear you. My name is Pastor Pastor Dodger. Oh, hi. Okay. <laughs> we can. We can yeah. hardly hear your. Um, your I'm Oh well, thank thank you for listening and, and for calling in. Yes, thank you so much, and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. All right. Is that it, ladies? Yes, ma'am. With that, with that, we will say good night to you, Miss Essence. Good night, um, ladies. It is great talking with you. Um, great have talking a good with you. Yes, and yeah, have a wonderful at school. I will. <laughs> I will. I will. And I hope to see you both really soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Have a good night.
All stay right, safe. You too. Okay. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you guys for tuning in again this week. It's a great conversation. Um, Essence said a lot of things <clears throat> that um, he's had me really reflecting and thinking about a lot of things. Um, but uh, like I said, we talked about this. We talked to Sonia Jackson Miles, and I think we've talked with Jennifer Ivy about this. But like she was talking about, it's just having those strong relationships and bonds with, um, you know, other women where you can really connect and people who can be really real with you and be honest with you um, um, and hold you accountable for so many different things. Um, I just think that's so, so important, um, having those types of relationships. Um, So just something for those of you who are listening to think about and just kind of think about, who you would have in a circle, a sister circle. I mean, for me, it would be a very small circle. Um, it doesn't, and, and, for, and to be honest, it doesn't have to be anything big. But, you know, think about how many people you could truly trust um, and who would really be real with you. Um, those are the people that we need in our close circles. Um, but it's definitely something that we all need. So something to think about. Um, and give some thought to um, as the days go on. But um, one of the things also that she said that I found was very important is how she talked about just during these difficult times, being of service to people is so important. And I think about one of the things that the pastor always says every Sunday before he goes offline, and he's always saying, um, you know, telling the congregation to be healthy, to be hopeful, but then he's always saying to be helpful, help someone else. And it's so important. You know, during these times when things are difficult and so much going on, help somebody. And not only helping, but also giving um, to others, whether it's time or money, you know, being able to help somebody and by way of giving is also a great thing to do during these difficult times because, like she says, not only does it bless people that you're you're helping, but it also blesses you too. Um, so I just wanted to say that um, as well as we get off the phone tonight. But thank you guys for um, tuning in. I saw the phone line. saw a lot of people. I see Sharon Tina, Jennifer Ivy. I'm not sure. I think it was J.K. that was on the line. I'm not sure. Um but thank you to those who are listening via the Internet. We greatly appreciate you. And for those who listen on the playback, we appreciate you guys as well. So, Denise, tell them where they can follow us, please. Sure. They can follow us on Facebook. We're Beauty Talk Online Radio. On Instagram, we are beauty underscore talk. And then on um, – I'm sorry, did I say Instagram? Or did I say Twitter? I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) On on Twitter, we are beauty underscore talk. On Instagram, we're beauty underscore talk underscore media. And then you can follow Janice and I both on those same social networks, uh, Twitter and Instagram, just by our names, um, at Janice Tunnell, J-A-N-I-C-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L, and then at Denise Tunnell, D-E-N-I-S-E, T-U-N-N-E-L-L. 
All right. Thank you very much, Medea. And with that being said, everyone have a wonderful evening and have a beautiful and blessed week. Good night, everybody. Good night.